Our text for today on this first Sunday of Eastertide is one of the resurrection appearance narratives from John's Gospel, the 20th chapter. I'll begin reading in the 19th verse. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of some of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You have heard the ancient story. Let us listen now for the word of the Lord. This is the gospel reading from the lectionary for today. We always read about doubting Thomas on the first Sunday after Easter, and that is this text from John 20. Thomas is mentioned in the next paragraph, but I stopped here because I thought it was so ironic and appropriate today, Jesus breathed on them. Jesus, where is your mask? Don't you know that it's dangerous to breathe on people? I've always thought this was an odd comment. He breathed on them. On them? I mean, what did that look like? He breathed on them as if to infect them with the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Now, I don't know what to make of this. It was ironic, I thought, for today's text, given all that's going on in the world. I haven't been outside my house in the last two weeks without a mask on. I don't know what to make of this except to draw the obvious inferences to the power of breath, wind, and spirit. These words are all connected, having their source in the Hebrew word ruach, which we first hear in the creation narrative in Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God, ruach, a breath of God, God's spirit, swept across the face of the waters. This is how it began. God breathed on the deep, and life came. In one way of understanding this creation narrative, God does not actually create everything from nothing. Read very literally, some physical matter is already there when God starts to create. The earth was a void. Darkness covered the face of the deep. Now, this reading matches beautifully the picture that science teaches of an unfolding evolution. Life started in the oceans. The deep is the way the Old Testament often refers to the endless, frightening ocean. God breathed on the deep, on the waters, and life began to emerge. 
There may be a path here to reconcile religion and science with the scientific perspective. What if God isn't the creator of all material stuff as much as God is the maker of meaning, the spirit of life that gives purpose, the wind of creativity that calls nature beyond mere biological necessity and into its full vitality. Before my brother-in-law retired, he would say that he just made the living. His wife, on the other hand, made the living worthwhile. Now, what if that's the kind of thing Genesis is trying to tell us? Nature is its own process, the biological base, but God is the more, the breath, the wind, the spirit working in that process. God makes what is just material to be spiritual. The Bible knows from the very beginning that there is power in breathing. Jesus breathed on the disciples, and it all began for them. Some years ago, I read uh, a, a commentary of a rabbi who was weighing in on the infinitely difficult and divisive issue of life and choice. When does life begin? Now, conservatives have made it the cornerstone of their argument that life begins at the moment of conception, that one-celled organism which cannot be distinguished from a chimpanzee or a fruit fly or a lily pad, for that matter, is a full-blown human being. Well, that rabbi was not convinced by that argument. Life, he said, according to his reading of the Bible, begins with viability. A fetus can breathe. When, when a fetus can breathe on its own, life begins. Now, he gave plenty of citations from Deuteronomy and Leviticus, but that's not important today. What is important is just to note that Judaism connects life inseparably with breath, with breathing. Jesus breathed on them, and there was meaningful life. There is great power in wind, physical power, Hurricanes can blow at 150 miles an hour. The strongest tornadoes have been measured with wind speeds over 300 miles an hour. And harnessing wind power today is one of the fastest growing sources of electrical generation. Wind power is great power. When I'm working on one of those honeydew projects at my house for Amy, she's wanting me to take out a wall or do this or do something uh, for her. Um, I have a pneumatic nail gun that I enjoy using. Um, there's a compressor that provides a supply of pressurized wind power and you connect a thin hose to the nail gun and the power that a pneumatic nail gun brings is really frightening. And just as it is physically powerful, there is no power any greater than spirit. That invisible energy that can inspire an individual to greatness or sweep through a crowd, inciting, igniting mob violence in an instant. Momentum in a sports contest is 
spirit. One team is dominating, but something happens, an invisible switch flips, the momentum turns, and there is no stopping the spirit. I played high school tennis, and I was remembering back this week on the conference championship. I was in the conference championship my junior year. My opponent was undefeated, but I had gained the upper hand. I don't think he had lost a set all year long. He won the first set, but I took the second set, and I was on the way to winning the third set and a victory, but something changed. I knew it the moment that it happened. He won a point that I should have won, and the momentum changed. The wind changed, and he took home the trophy. There is a power in this world that is greater than any physical force. It cannot be seen it cannot be measured. It cannot be explained. It is the power of spirit. It is God. Now, I mentioned in this past Wednesday's midweek meetup a recent conversation. This was a conversation with a church member who shares much of our theology. She doesn't believe God is some divine Santa Claus standing outside of space and time, you know, the man upstairs controlling all things but in the chaos of this moment, the devastating toll of a global pandemic and powerful tornadoes adding to that pain, she said to me, so Russ, where is God in all of this? What is God? Who is God? And I said, God is spirit. God is where God has always been. In good times and in bad, God is the spirit, the wind, the breath of life that is more powerful than any disease, any disaster. The spirit of hope, the wind of persistence, the breath of peace. Jesus knew that spirit. It was his great power. And Jesus gave it to his disciples. Jesus breathed on them, and those disciples changed the world. The Bible is a book of great empowerment from start to finish. Human beings are made from the dust of the earth, but God, stoops down, blowing life into our dusty frames, and with God's breath, we become living souls. Created in the image of God, what a powerful narrative, what a powerful testimony. In his gospel, John calls Jesus the Son of God, but in the very first chapter, John says, to all who received him, he gave power to become, and it's the same word, sons of God, children of God, sons of God, daughters of God, that's you. Now later in the gospel, Jesus says, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I will do, and in fact will do greater works than these. That's an amazing thing to hear from Jesus. You will do greater works. 
What a book of empowerment for us. A great word for today. In this text, before Jesus leaves them, he says to his disciples, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, we could argue over what exactly this means, who actually has the power to forgive sins, but what I hear in this is that there is hardly a power in the world greater than the spoken word. Breath is powerful. Saying, I'm sorry, is hard, and it is powerful. And saying, you are loved, you are forgiven, so be at peace. Well, we've learned it's the only thing that we have to say, but we have to say it every week. It's a powerful word. Jesus had great power. The greatest power. He was not rich or famous, not a political leader or a rock star, a military conqueror of nations, but Jesus knew the power of spirit. He spent time in quiet places where that spirit was renewed. And everywhere he went, he breathed in and he breathed out the spirit of courage and comfort, and he breathed on his disciples, and he gave them that same power. Today, his spirit is breathing on us still. So as long, and so as he said it long ago, I say to you today, receive the spirit and be at peace. May it be so. Amen.